Thank you, Dan. Thank you, choir and instrumentalists for leading us so well. I'm glad you're here. I'm certainly thankful for the opportunity to speak to you this morning. It happened without warning, really. Suddenly, the overwhelming sound of a violent gale force wind rushed over the crowd and filled the whole place. No one could figure out where it came from. Then like a raging wildfire, the Holy Spirit spread through the midst of a multitude and people started speaking different languages. Everyone could hear and understand in their own native tongue. No believer was exempt from this experience for the flames separated and rested on each of them. It seemed no one could figure out just what was happening. All were bewildered, amazed, astonished at this incident. How is this happening? What? exactly is happening. Then one man stood up. He was flanked by 11 others, and he boldly proclaimed truth to the thousands assembled. He spoke the words from the prophet Joel, I will in those days pour forth my spirit. He cited David, you will not abandon my soul. You have made known to me the ways of life. Then he proceeded to passionately preached Jesus Christ, his crucifixion, and recalled his resurrection. Everyone was in awe of the incident. And you can be sure it is an incredible passage of scripture, an absolutely riveting narrative. However, tucked within this grand account is an interesting side story. It's definitely not some concealed code in need of Christians to crack it, But you can be sure, if you're not careful, you might miss it. See the man standing, addressing the crowd, being used by God in this memorable, miraculous moment would not have been the person that we would have chosen. By the standards then and the standards now, he's not the best candidate for the job. But if we just cherry pick this story, you might miss the triumph and the trials, both the sunshine and the rain that formed a rock so special, so solid, so strong. So please don't tell me you're one of those people who reads the end of the book first before you read the whole book. Tell me you're not that guy who goes online and sees about the end of the movie before you ever go see the movie. You need to hear more of the story. See, this guy, Peter, he had an imperfect, problematic past. Don't get me wrong, there's a lot of climactic moments when Peter pursued Jesus passionately with everything that he had, but they are tempered with the darkest of days when his allegiance departed. This is why this part, this Pentecost part, in Peter's life is especially significant. And listen to me, listen to me. It's significant to you too. There are myriads of ups and downs and even chapters of his story we won't have time to cover, cover, but make no mistake, this story, Peter's story, it's a comeback story. It's the kind of story that resonates with readers and resonates in the hearts of believers because isn't it true? Everybody loves a comeback story. 
This morning, we'll sort through some snapshots of Peter's journey that will help us piece together a picture that leads him to the place where he's standing there and he's passionately preaching at Pentecost. But we can't start there. We have to start from the beginning. The first window we have into the life of Peter, interestingly enough, comes when he was walking by the water by the Sea of Galilee. We'll title this first chapter, A Call. A Call. In Matthew chapter 4, verses 18 through 22, as Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, Andrew, his brother, They were casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. He said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets, and they followed him. Now they had already heard of Jesus through John the Baptist, and yet this was and is really rare behavior. No contracts were signed, no papers drawn, no final conditions for the fishermen following. Peter just drops what he's doing and he follows Jesus. I think it could be different if it was now, if it was in this day and age. No, now Jesus, if we leave our nets behind, (laughs) if we're gonna follow you, we're gonna have to have some assurances. We know you do a lot of healing, you deal with a lot of sick people, It makes us a little uneasy. So first things first, um, no leprosy, right? We don't want to be a part of that. We don't want to be involved with leper colonies, leper islands, leper lands. (laughs) Basically, no leper ministries of any sort, Jesus. I mean, that's fair, right? We don't want to get sick. Secondly, we we don't do blood, any blood-related injuries, sacrificial situations, issues of blood, we're out. We respectfully abstain from those. Right, Drew? Right, Pete. Yeah, we'll do that. Also, there's just going to be some days where adulting is going to be really hard for us. And we just can't hashtag disciple. And so we're going to need some me time. Can we schedule that into our discipleship journey? Yeah, Jesus, we're really trying to leverage the negativity out of our lives You seem to have a lot of conflict around you and difficult people like Pharisees, and I'm all Pharisee you later, (laughs) right, Peter? (laughs) See, we're trying to get rid of that conflict and we just don't do well with it. See, we, I guess what I'm trying to say, Jesus, is we really, we really try to seek to have our cup filled. And when we look at your life, it seems like your ministry is all about pouring it out for others. So we just want to let these things be known far in advance so everybody's happy before we move forward. So maybe we can sign a contract. Maybe you could just jot something out in the sand like you like to do and we can all be happy and move on. It's not the way it happened. They just dropped their nets. They just followed Jesus They just went with him. What about when Jesus calls you? Does it take a while before you respond? Have you gotten good when you see his name to ignore his calls to silence it? Have people started to see Jesus' call in your life? 
oh, it looks like you're getting a call. Oh, it's nobody. Have you gotten good at ignoring, declining when he begins to speak to you? He just says, follow me. Peter lets go, and he follows. Now, your story isn't like Peter's, is it? The first chapter, a call, we'll call, we'll call chapter two a crossing. Jesus had gone away to pray. Matthew tells us he sends the disciples out on a boat. In chapter 14 of Matthew's gospel, he records, in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. The disciples saw him walking on the sea. They were terrified and they said, it's a ghost. They cried out in fear, but immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, take courage, it is I, do not be afraid. Peter said to him, Lord, if it's you, command me to come out to you on the water. And he said, come. Peter got out of the boat, walked on the water. He came towards Jesus, but seeing the wind, he became frightened and beginning to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus stretched out his hand, took a hold of him and said, you of little faith, why did you doubt? When they got into the boat, the wind stopped and those that were in the boat worshiped him saying, you are certainly God's son. Hey, Peter walked on water. Peter walked on water with Jesus. Consider that just for a moment when the waves were rough and the wind got wild, Peter got out of the boat while the others stayed behind. Eyes stuck on the Savior. Peter purposefully plodded on the water, but when the waves white-capped and the wind began to whirl around him, Peter unfixed his eyes from Jesus and tethered them to the trouble around him. Scripture teaches us before the waves ever begin to overtake him, fear had already seized him. He was no match for the angry seas alone, and he began to sink. Maybe the most difficult part of this passage for Peter or for any disciple is the four words that were spoken. You of little faith. Has Jesus ever called you out onto the uncertain waves of life? Lord, is that you? It's me, come to me. Get out of the boat. See, Jesus doesn't always call us to walk with him when it's easy, when he's teaching, when it's a, a leisurely stroll through life. Sometimes he calls us to get out of the boat. To in faith, follow him. It's a big part of Peter's story. Now your story isn't like Peter's, is it? The crossing is a crucial part of the story. A call, a crossing, then a third chapter, a confession. Matthew later records in chapter 16 a conversation with Jesus and his disciples. And he says, who do people say that I am? They say Elijah, Jeremiah, one of the prophets Verse 16 says this, Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my father who is in heaven, I also say to you that you are Peter and upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. I know who everybody says I am. I know what they all say. I know they say maybe he's a prophet. But disciple, 
I want to know who you say I am. Peter passes the test. You're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. It's a pivotal moment in Peter's past. It's a pivotal moment for you and I. The most important question posed by the most important person ever. There's only one right answer. You're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. This situation helped shape Peter and his story. When we respond like Peter, he too calls us blessed. He too calls us into his ministry and he says, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Now your story, it's not like Peter's, is it? A call, a crossing, a confession, and then a crow. When the death of Jesus was drawing nigh, Peter tells us Jesus is with him no matter what. He'll be with him no matter what. Jesus, we're with you too. Jesus, I'll never forsake you. I'll go with you to prison even until death. But Luke 22 tells us that Jesus said, I say to you, Peter, the rooster will not crow today until you have denied me three times that you know me. He later writes, a servant girl saw him in the firelight looking intently at him. The man was with him too, she said. But he denied, saying, woman, I do not know him. A little later, another saw him and said, you're, you're one of the ones that was with him. You were with him too. But Peter said, man, I am not. And about an hour had passed. Another man began to insist, certainly this man also was with him, for he is a Galilean too. But Peter said, man, I do not know what you were talking about. Immediately when he was speaking, a rooster crowed. The Lord turned and looked at Peter. And Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had told him, before a rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And he went out and he wept bitterly. Undoubtedly, that is a moment Peter would never forget. That was a sound that he would relive in his mind. That's a look that would linger with him for years to come. It's an incredible, terrible moment in Peter's story. And oh, we've looked on this story with disdain for so long, haven't we? How could he deny the Savior to his face? How could he look the master in the eye and make such a promise only to break it moments later? However, if you and I recount our stories you don't have to listen long to hear the crow oh so clearly and that look when we've denied, when we've sinned, when we've turned our back on him and he looks at us, oh, we know that look all too well. Now your, your story isn't like Peter's, is it? A call, a crossing, a confession, a crow, and then a command in the 21st chapter of John's gospel. Peter makes a confession of love towards the risen Christ three times. Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He says to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Tend my lambs. Says to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, shepherd my sheep. He says a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved 
Because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, tend my sheep. Luke 24 and 1 Corinthians 15 tell us the Lord had already previously appeared to Peter and the specifics aren't laid out for us, but no doubt Peter's sin was dealt with since Peter had denied the Lord publicly, however, it was important that there be a public restoration. And three times Jesus challenges Peter, do you love me? Curious, isn't it, that three times Jesus poses the question followed with a command, almost as if it was designed to parallel with Peter's past, some instance in which something happened in a terrible trio. Peter undoubtedly experienced relief, a a newfound freedom that only forgiveness affords. He still has a plan for me. He still wants to use me. You don't need that kind of hope this morning, do you? To know that Jesus forgives, that when we come to him and we repent and we turn towards him, He still has a plan for us. Your story's not like Peter, is it? A call, a crossing, a confession, a crow, a command, and finally, finally, a comeback. Look again at our text, Acts chapter two. I'll read verses 38 and 39. Peter said to them, repent, each of you. Be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, as many as the Lord God will call to himself. Listen, there he stood looking out into the multitude, 11 with him. He began to boldly proclaim the truth to thousands assembled. He proceeded to passionately preach Jesus crucified, his resurrection and the forgiveness of sins that he now knew all too well. And you know it wasn't always the big stage for him. The times of triumph were plentiful for Peter. He experienced literal mountaintop experiences with Jesus, but just like in our lives, conflict continually pursued Peter in the days to come. And when the day that death came for Peter, as it will, each of us church historians tell us that the disciple that helped turn the world upside down was crucified upside down. His life didn't end up being carefree. When he got right with God, he didn't repent, then have an easy existence. However, however, he placed himself fully, completely in God's hand. The result is God used him to carry out the supernatural and experience being in the middle of his amazing, incredible, life-changing plan. And Jesus made good on his promises as he stood there and as Pentecost played out, surely the words he heard by the water washed over him again. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men as the outpouring of God's spirit was made manifest and the people felt his words in their chest and their hearts were pierced and they believed and were baptized. The one whose faltering faith didn't float, the one who promised Jesus he would 
never turn his back on him, but denied him and denied him and denied him. The one who had been given another chance doesn't squander it. He embraces it. He preaches the good news of the gospel of Jesus. The Holy Spirit comes and thousands of people have their eternal destination forever change. And God uses Peter supernaturally to bring about this monumental event, a call, a crossing, a confession, a crow, a command, and a comeback. Do you see it now? Do you see it in Peter's story? Peter was never the main character in his story. It was always about Jesus. Whatever chapter you're at in your life, we're not the main character. It's always, it's always about Jesus. Oh, you can be sure your story is like Peter's. He's there in every chapter calling to you, let it go and follow me, confess me as Lord, love like I've loved. He's looking for you when you're gone to restore when you've repented. When we've turned away like Peter, the enemy wants you to believe that it's over. The past is too bad. You don't have the skills, the time, the energy, the gifting. Your part in his story is over. But let me tell you this morning the truth. God delights in a comeback. He delights when sinners like you and I repent and we come back to him. Did you notice? that the whole flow of scripture is God's plan to reconcile man back to himself. From the garden to Gethsemane, Calvary, on to glory, it's all God's plan for man to come back to him and be reconciled. It's a comeback story. Have you paid attention to the plans he made for his son when he sent him to die a ransom for many on this earth, to come back to life, to be ascended, and then come back again? Do you find it interesting that when Jesus told a story of a father and his child and that father representing the heavenly father, he told a story of a dad that was waiting by the window for his wayward child to come back. When his son came to his senses and he headed home, he didn't berate him, he didn't belittle him, he didn't turn his back on him, he ran to him and he rejoiced that that boy came back home. My child is home. Do you need a comeback this morning? Maybe you're like me, and you've gotta preach that story that came from Jesus to yourself. You've gotta preach the prodigal to yourself. You've gotta preach the good news of the gospel to your soul. Dream with me just for one moment. What can God still do through you in this life that he's given you. What can God still do through you in this life he's given you? Do you need a comeback this morning? The truth is the heavens roar when a sinner repents. The father runs to meet his child when he comes home. After all, isn't it true? Everybody loves a comeback story. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we need your grace. 
God, when we look at scripture, it is littered with those who we can relate with, imperfect people, sinners, deniers, those that would warm themselves by the fire of denial. God, this morning, in the lives of so many, God, I know, I know that many need a comeback. Lord, all of us need to hear Peter's story and your goodness and your restoration and your miraculous work through him. God, I pray that you would speak to our hearts. God, I pray that you would help us to see you as you are, as the Father that you are. God, I pray that we would have the courage to follow you, to drop what is in our hands and be used by you to answer your call. God, thank you for your grace and your goodness. And God, that you give us opportunities after we've fallen to again follow you and be used by you. God, thank you. Thank you for the truth of your word. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.